Hi there, I'm Lori Hellman. I am mom to Skylar, who is an incredible adult son with severe nonverbal autism. My goal when creating the Living the Sky Life podcast four years ago was that the content of each episode bring hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways to each listener. In sharing the many relatable caregiver stories and experiences, I hope that you never feel like you have to travel your parenting journey alone. If you haven't already, please connect with me through my Facebook page, Welcome to My Life, Skylar's World, or Instagram, Welcome to My Life, underscore Lori Hellman, and let's keep the conversation going after each episode airs. If you are enjoying the podcast and are listening on Apple iTunes, could I ask a favor that you please leave a rating and a written review and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for tuning in and subscribing to season four of Living the Sky Life. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Living the Sky Life. My guest today is another Indiana mom, Lori Haynes. Lori has been an autism and disability advocate for over 30 years. She is married to her wonderful husband, Mike, and they care for their 28-year-old son, Jacob, at home. Her son, Jake, was diagnosed with severe nonverbal autism and intellectual disability at the age of two and a half, and she has worked tirelessly since then to raise not only awareness, but acceptance and understanding. She started the first support group of its kind in northern Indiana called Families of Autistic Children Together back in 1998. Lori also assisted with organizing the Hear Their Silence rally that took place on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. in April of 2000. Lori worked with the Indiana legislature to significantly increase funding for what was then called the Autism Waiver Program after she discovered only 20 waivers were available in total across the state. She collected 17,000 petition signatures so other families would not have to be on a 10-year wait list as her son was. Lori and her husband spent eight years as parents, volunteers, and Area 5 management team members for Special Olympics Indiana. Lori uses her experience and finds the funny out of the anxiety while performing her stand-up called Rain Mom Comedy. Lori has been performing stand-up since 2018 and finds that comedy is a great gateway towards her goal to raise awareness, understanding, and acceptance of special kids who rock. So I uh, got into all the things Indiana, as I've mentioned on the podcast numerous times, about our fight for resources, day programs, funding, waivers, all the things that Indiana fails to offer. Uh, Lori adds uh, a commentary about that, and as I mentioned in her bio, she... um, was very instrumental in getting the waiver program opened up to what we have now today. It's still not enough and it's still not good enough, but it's a start. And um, with moms like her, I I feel confident that we can all put our heads together and get more uh, done for our kids. So please enjoy my conversation with Lori Haynes. So welcome back to another episode of Living the Sky Life. I have another fellow Indiana mom with me today, Lori Haynes. So Lori, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. I am so glad I found you. Um, I uh, have watched a little bit of your comedy and we'll get into some of that, but um, your Facebook page, I don't know if you use it as much as maybe you used to, but it's, um, is it Rain Mom Comedy? Is that right? Yes. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is funny because I always tell everybody, I laugh so much about everything that we experience in our lives with autism, with Skylar, the ups, the downs. If you're not laughing, I mean, I think you would be in a lot of misery. So I'm glad I found good company in you <laughs> to laugh well, about some of the things. I feel the same. 
Yes. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your son, Jake. Obviously, autism is in your life, um, or we probably wouldn't be talking and connected. Um, but Jake is an adult. He's 28. So I imagine that when he received his diagnosis, things were a little bit different. Um, even now, when people tell me their child is level one, level two, level three, that's kind of lost on me or it isn't now, but it was, um, cause we didn't have yes. levels. We didn't have any of that stuff. It was, you have autism or you don't. Um, so what was your experience like with Jake those years ago? Well, Jacob was diagnosed in <clears throat> 1996 and things were very different back then. Mm -hmm. uh, the only reference most people had was to the movie rain man. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and even at that time, enough time had passed where people weren't really, that wasn't in the forefront of their mind when they heard the word autism. But Jacob was diagnosed at the age of two and a half. That was after I took him to his primary care physician because I noticed, I, I honestly thought Jacob was going deaf. He just, he stopped responding to noises. Um, he wouldn't look me in the eye anymore. And and at, at the age of two, Jacob had started talking. Okay. So he was saying, you know, he'd been talking at that point. Um, they were simple sentences, but it just all stopped and the screaming started. Um, so I became very concerned. And um, his, his pediatrician, when I took him in, I told him what was going on. He ran a few simple tests and he looked at me and he goes, I, I think your son has autism. Hmm. And, and I was only familiar with that because I had a classmate in high school that was um, autistic. And I wouldn't say he was severe. I'd say he was moderate. But I, I used to get my butt kicked in high school because I was constantly defending Robbie. <clears throat> so I had that experience already with it. So they sent him to um, Riley Hospital for Children. They mm -hmm. spent a week running him through a myriad and a battery of tests. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, we went there too. <laughs> and then they finally came back, pulled me into a room, sat me down and looked at me. And the first thing, you know, there were several doctors in there and, a, you know, speech therapist and a behavioral therapist. And it was just me sitting on one side of the table. And they said, well, the first thing we want to tell you is we don't think you're a refrigerator mother. <laughs> and I was like, pardon me? Yeah. <laughs> the old reference. Yeah. And I had never heard that before. And I said, what are you talking about? And they said, well, you clearly love your son. You're clearly engaged with him. Or refrigerator mothers are so cold that their children turn inwards. And I was like, oh my God, am I really hearing this in this day and age? And this was back in 1996. Mm -hmm. And then they proceeded to tell me all the things that Jacob would never do. Well, right. Your son has lost his speech. He will never start talking again. Your son will never, ever read or write. Um, he will need to be in a special needs program for his entire life. And when he turns, you know, 15, you'll probably need to start shopping group homes because you probably will not be able to handle him by the time he turns 18. Most, care, most parents can't. And I was like, oh, heck no, I do not accept this. And he was like, well, most parents don't, but this is the route you go down. And he goes, but be grateful if this would have been even 30 years ago, we wouldn't even asked you, we would have just taken your child from you and they would have ended up in an institutional setting, which the scary thing is I live in Logansport, Indiana, and we do have one of the first state mental asylums, one of the largest ones that were in the state of Indiana here. And, you know, my, my dear friend and neighbor uh, worked there as a supervisor for 30 years, and she's told me all about the autism unit. So it's still so, functioning now? They still have it? it it is still 
functioning. There are people there. They have really cut back the funding. So they have closed down many state hospitals. Um, and our state hospital is uh, maybe a quarter of what it was before. The most severe cases are still there. But a lot of people with dual diagnosis of, you know, intellectual disability and autism and Down syndrome, um, who, who also have other dual diagnosis of, have been shuttled to the group homes that used to be just for people with intellectual disabilities. So now they're, the group homes, unfortunately, in a lot of areas in Indiana are dealing with people who have a mental health diagnosis mm -hmm. and a neurological disorder, you know, um, or diagnosis, which they're not the same. They're different, but there, there's a lot of dual diagnoses that do occur with autism. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but you know, I was just, just stunned, you know, and it took me a while to wrap my head around that diagnosis when I left. Um, and I immediately said, okay, what do we do now? Mm -hmm. And so I contacted his pediatrician again. We got Jacob lined up for a first step program yeah. in Logansport. Mm -hmm. So he was immediately enrolled. They started working with him. And some of the kids that were in that first step program when he was two and a half, three years old, ended up being the classmates that he stayed with throughout his educational career. Now, I was fortunate. They had a pilot program at Logan Sport uh, Elementary at, at Columbia Elementary, and Mrs. Berry was the principal then. She was a, a godsend. They started a pilot program for children with autism, and they had their own classroom. They had a specially trained teacher. They had all sorts of sensory areas, different tables. They had a speech therapist coming in three days a week, working with the kids. They had an autism expert come in, so they had lamps around the classroom because they recognized some of the children were getting upset about the fluorescent lighting because they can hear the hum mm -hmm. that we can't, that's not audible. They had a safe space for them, um, a padded area without a door, but they had timers um, that they could play with, with the oil and the water mixtures and different sensory toys in there. If they just needed a space to calm down or go away because the noise was too much for them. Mm -hmm. So that was a beautiful program. And he went through that all the way through elementary school we ran into the problems with the middle school. So do they still have that elementary program running? I mean, is someone running that or? They do not. Oh, <clears> unfortunately, um, that went away in the mid, well, probably towards around 2010 because of budget cuts and restraints. Gosh, that's so frustrating. I mean, let alone to have something that obviously your child wasn't the only one who benefited greatly from that. And to see the outcomes, it's just like, I mean, it's probably not just like, but when they cut music programs and they cut, you know, all these things that they think are extra and not necessary mm -hmm. when, I mean, that would be so nice to have our kids not mainstreamed in the sense that they're in classrooms if they can't be with other kids and going through math and science and some of that stuff, but to be in the building, I yes. mean, that's, that's half the battle right there is to have our kids included and the age appropriate even they could go to gym and other things with their peers, but man, that's disappointing to hear that it's gone. Well, and, and, and as you stated that there was some partial mainstreaming that was occurring there. So they would, you know, take Jacob to his music class for library time. So it was a stepping stone to inclusion. Mm -hmm. um, he had a pair of aid with him at that time as all the kids in the classroom did. 
And then we also had an extra special program through Logansport Logan Area Joint Special Services um, to where they had an extended school year program. So during the summer, Jake and his classmates got two months of school time, four hours a day, Monday through Friday, to where they were continuing the speech therapy and the behavioral therapy and the cognitive therapy and all of those things. In addition to taking them to the Agape Equine Center, where they got to do writing lessons, which is a, a I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but they did a, a lot of special programs with people mm-hmm. with autism. Yep. And uh, they worked in conjunction with um, Monty Roberts with the here with the uh, uh, join up method. Um, I did go see him and talk to him about that. And um, they were, you know, doing outings to the park and socialization outings. And again, the funding got cut for that program as well. So it was just heart-wrenching because the two years after that, that our kids weren't in that program, we saw the regression and it, it was a marked difference. And what age was that, that they were in the program and then not? Oh gosh, they were in, he was in that program from the age of five until, oh, so this was still part of the elementary one you're talking about. Oh yeah. But it went through middle school too. Okay. Gotcha. So, um, But, and, and I, you had mentioned to me, your son is nonverbal. Jake was nonverbal. Um, and part of the speech therapy was they were working with all the kids to teach them signs on storyboards mm-hmm. and teach them sign language. So I started learning sign language with my son because they'd have the parents come in one day a week and start learning those signs too. <clears throat> but um, Jacob, he eventually did start talking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just uh, one word, echolalia, mm-hmm. for a long, long time. And uh, then he finally started parenting or parroting uh, more complex sentences. Like I'd say, Jacob, do you want to drink? And he'd say, Jacob, want to dink? Oh, um, and how old was he when he started to just kind of start using his, his verbalization again? He was six and a half. So he'd been getting taught sign language and under speech therapy for several years at this Mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. Um, So to those parents listening, never give up. Always keep trying. Yep. Um, Even when they tell you, oh, no, that's not going to happen. Then you just channel Barney off of how I met your mother and think challenge accepted. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even if they script their whole life or they like have echolalia, like you said, just hearing their voice is like the most beautiful sound ever. (laughs) So I can only imagine what that's like. Yeah. I still have all the calendars that I kept. And every time he'd say a new word, I'd write it on the calendar. Yeah. So I can look back and see those benchmarks. And Jacob was almost nine before I heard him say, love mom. Oh, that's so sweet. I always love, I mean, that is like milestone for life. Yeah. (laughs) First hear that. Yeah. I mean, not all of us get that fortunate. So I count my blessings every day. And sadly, I still use the sign language with him. And yeah, if this was a video podcast, it'd be a little more effective, but he has learned to talk to me while back talk me in two languages at one time. (laughs) If I tell him, I was like, be patient after the 10th time he'll turn you know i'll sign to him occasionally you know please wait and he'll turn right back around to me and sign please or he'll say don't you please wait me and he'll sign it right i'm like oh hell no you did not back talk me in two languages at one time well you you created a monster no i'm kidding i Uh, did (laughs) 
That's funny. I'm sure he gets his sense of humor from his parents anyway. Um, you know, one thing I, I always am curious about when, when kids start speaking at whatever age or they start, you know, really more fluently communicating, whether it's a bunch of sign language, it's typing, it's AACs, whatever. Um, does it, does it seem like they um, have a desire to tell you some things that they've kind of held in? Like, do you see him revealing more about himself and like, you know, things he wished he had been able to tell you before and he just kind of unpacks some of it sometimes or no? Yes, very, very much so. Cause see, okay. that was, that was one thing that was explained to me early on because with all the screaming and I, I, I don't know if you went through this yourself as a mom, mm -hmm. but you know, prior to Jake being able to, prior to him learning sign language, he spent so much time screaming and he was headbutting everything and ramming his head in the wall and, you know, doing the self-injurious behavior, biting himself till he bleed. And, and it was just, uh, it was, it was heart-wrenching as a parent to see that. And, and finally his doctor said he's frustrated because he can't communicate. He wants to communicate. That is why he's hurting himself. And it just, it crushed me as a mother um, to know that. And that's when I like doubled down on my efforts to find a way to help him communicate. Mm -hmm. And we were trying to find funding to get a facilitated communications board because that was a big thing at that time. Um, so it really was a blessing for him to start learning the science because he did start learning it. And then after that, he would just tug on my shirt and point as something or sign a little bit to communicate with me. So things got easier and he stopped hurting himself as much once yeah. as his communication improved and, and progressed. I noticed that. So, so did he, I mean, has he ever confirmed for you that that was some of the reasoning? Cause I, I say it all the time. I'm still guessing. And I always, I tell other people like, he doesn't mean to pull your hair or slap you. He's, he's just frustrated because he's trying to get us to do something or give him mm -hmm. something and, or he feels a certain way and we don't know what it is. Um, and so he's been spelling the last couple of years, um, on spelling boards and, um, right. we're not to open communication yet for me to be able to ask him an open-ended question, have him, you know, just tell me like, yes, this is the reason that I'm doing these things. So I'm assuming that it's because of that. And I just wonder if they know if that's part of like why he was biting himself, if it was because of that and he confirmed it for you, or if their bodies just kind of do whatever they do and they don't have any control over it. Cause I think it's a little bit of both maybe, but uh, again, I'm guessing. There's, and this is one thing I, you know, because I've been so involved with special Olympics and I also am a licensed respiratory therapist. So prior to my heavy involvement with Special Olympics, I spent several years working at a skilled nursing facility with profoundly disabled children near drowning cases, children with severe uh, cerebral palsy, kids who had been injured in accidents, um, and they were paraplegics. Um, and I noticed the same things amongst them that I did with my own son, that when there were behaviors to where they would hurt themselves or others, it's because they had a need, whether that was they needed changed or whether they were thirsty or hungry or whatever. But if you went through it, you can always find a way to communicate mm -hmm. with anyone like that. And after so long, you learn what their, what their sign language mm -hmm. is, whether it's blinking or just asking, going through a list of, is this what you want? 
they'll eventually give you some indication of, okay, that's it. You know, it's, it's like a game of charades. It's like it the is. worst game I always of say. charades ever. It's an endless game of charades. Yeah. So, <laughs> no. yeah, but it's, yeah. A, it, it's, it's a language that you get to know. And I, I think there is a line between a meltdown and a, a, a frustration and a temper tantrum. There's three different things there. Mm -hmm. And some parents who are just feel so responsible for what's going on there with, with their kiddo, they just want to see it as one thing. And they'll just give their kid anything and everything to appease them. And well, they can't help it. And be, you know, it's, mm -hmm. we, we got to take care of them because that's all they've got. You know, I've seen parents make this mistake over and over and over again learn to recognize the difference between a meltdown. A meltdown generally occurs with people on the spectrum when they are truly overwhelmed sensory-wise, whether it's they have a sensory issue with going to the bathroom, which that is a whole like yeah, hour long discussion by yeah. yourself. Um, or <laughs> a sensory, yeah, a sensory, They a lot of people don't realize they can hear that hum of the fluorescent lights. That can overwhelm them. Um, loud, you know, noises that seem soft, us can sound like somebody banging a drum next to their head and and it gets overwhelming and they they do want to hit themselves and, and try to block it out mm -hmm. and you know distract themselves from whatever's causing them that painful stimuli and that's why children tend to bite themselves but they can also they also do that when they get so frustrated because they cannot communicate their wishes but by the same token i am not ignorant my son has had some just legit regular yeah. old temper tantrums because yeah. he wasn't getting what he wanted and I knew what he wanted and I was like no you are not getting that and he would just get mad and start throwing stuff and I'm mm -hmm. like get as mad as you want but you're not you're not having a popsicle for dinner yeah and and parents make the mistake of not my best friends with their daughter who's much like your son make that mistake and they just let they let their child control their house, mm -hmm. smear ketchup everywhere, and pretty much do everything. And when I took over childcare for her, I was like, that's not how Lori's going to do this. Mom and dad, <laughs> be aware of that. She is going to be treated like my son. And you wouldn't believe the difference in Carly when I started going, nope, you're not going to be doing that. Nope, you're not allowed that, but we can do this. Mm -hmm. She realized there were rules. And I and I tell them over and over again, it's like I said, you are raising a Helen Keller. You've seen the movie and you're doing, you're making the same mistake the Colonel made. You're just letting your child because you feel sorry for her just wreak havoc in your life. And it doesn't have to be that way. Mm -hmm. Be her Annie Sullivan, you know? <laughs> it's a good reference. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, um, I'm, I've always been a huge believer in trusting my own gut. And I try to encourage parents the same way. If, if something just doesn't feel right, it's not. And I try to take myself back when I get really frustrated, not knowing what it is that Skylar wants and how I can help him. I think about, I mean, all parents go through that when you have babies, they cry for different things. Their cry mm -hmm. for when they're wet means something. It's a little different than when they're hungry, when they're tired, even into toddler years, they're behavior and mannerisms is different for what they want. You yes. just have to be beyond observant because our kids, unfortunately, some of them, like my son, who's 19, still kind of, you know, portrays and demonstrates some behaviors that a toddler would have. So I still have to keep deciphering what that is. And, and the other thing when you were talking about, um, you know, just kind of meeting their communication need and, and figuring out whatever it is to communicate with them, whether it's pointing, tugging on your shirt, 
um, you know, actually seeing the two objects, making a choice. That's what we do. A lot of, you know, foods and stuff will hold up two things and he'll pick point which one he wants because he clearly knows what he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of my biggest fears. You know, the fact that we have older children, they're adults now yes. is I know what he is saying when he looks at me a certain way, or he points to a certain thing, just a cabinet. I know exactly what he wants in that cabinet, but other people don't. So that's why I, I push him. I'm always going to push him and I'm trying to be patient and let him drive me, but I'm desperate to find the communication method because I'm not always going to be here. I'm not always going to be the one that can decipher what it is that his sound or his pointing means. So that's the hardest part I feel like to wrestle with when you have a nonverbal into adulthood, because like, I feel like time is ticking and I'm, I'm just panicking. Like who is going to be able to understand what he, he needs if I'm not there. And my heart goes out to you so much as a mom. And I just want to reach through and hug you so, so hard right now. Um, I, and, and see you're, it, it's one of those things. My grandma used to have this saying, um, you know, the man with no shoes complained until he saw the man with no feet. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's easy it's easy to, you know, for a parent to feel sorry for themselves in this situation. And honestly, it is not easy. And, and for any mom out there or even dad who's struggling, please, 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 uh, please read, you know, <clears throat> the special women poem by Irma. Yeah, Bombeck. It's in my book. I love um, that. So, you know, this is not an easy thing that we are coping with. We didn't Mm -hmm. sign up for it. We didn't ask for it. Our kids didn't sign up for it. Our kids didn't ask for it, but this is the situation we are in. Mm -hmm. And I can't, you know, your circumstance has got to be scarier than mine because your son is still nonverbal. And I, who I, I never thought Jacob would ever get to that point. I was one of the lucky few that the doctors were wrong. And, and it was a lot of stubbornness and persistence on not just my part, but his teacher's part and his speech therapist part and his, his pair aides part. Um, but it truly is a village and it's a team effort mm-hmm. and you've just got to find the right team and you keep pushing, never give up on him learning sign language or getting him a facilitated communication board or whatever method he needs, even if it's multiple methods, mm-hmm. because you're thinking the same thing I'm thinking and we're all thinking, and I'm getting ready to turn 50 the day after tomorrow. And, and, and it's that, that constant in the back of your mind of what's going to happen to him when I'm gone, what's Mm going to happen to him when I'm gone. It, 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 it like is a daily thing that pops into your head and you can't turn it off. And, and I've had a few friends and family members mistakenly make the comment to me of, why do you worry about that now? You're still young. No, none of us are promised tomorrow. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, we could get, you know, killed in a car wreck tomorrow. Or, you know, who could have seen a global pandemic coming down our road <laughs> after 100 years of no global pandemic? Right. Um, so none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. And that's just, that's the constant worry that we have of making sure that every, you know, everything that we can do is in place to make sure that our children thrive and are happy and continue to improve. And it's, it's ever evolving. It Mm -hmm. it doesn't stay the same. I started with one family member that I never thought would leave my brother. And then his wife got mad at me over something stupid. And now I'm on to my niece, (laughs) you know, so Jake's cousin, um, 
so situations change and <laughs> you know for the parents out there that are listening the child that you have today no matter their age is not going to be the same child you have in five years right even every and, year I see huge changes in Skylar, huge differences and new things for me to worry about and not worry about anymore. <laughs> yes, like, exactly. <laughs> it evolves. It's day and night. There mm -hmm. are some days Jacob acts like an eight-year-old. Other days he acts like a pubescent 15-year-old. And then other days where he puts his foot down and he goes, listen, I'm a 20-year-old adult. Yeah. I can do blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I, I got to respect that to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not going to let him stroll out in the middle of traffic or anything, but you know, he wanted to ride a roller coaster by himself. I was terrified, but yeah. I finally let that happen a month ago. You know, 10 years ago when we took him to Florida, um, he was terrified of getting sunburned. So he was very angry and upset about being at the beach. Uh, we finally got him in the water he was fine for the first five minutes until the first wave hit him in the face. Now, this kid is a water baby to the nth degree. Um, his last name is Mullet, so he's literally named after a fish in Florida. And he got hit by that first wave. He spit the water out and he goes, salt? What, what, what do you mean salt? And he was out of that uh -huh. water, didn't want anything more to do with that water, would not go back in the water. I couldn't he's, believe it. He's and a cool then, kid. <laughs> Yeah. The next day we took him to Disney world. I'd waited 10 years to take this child to Disney world. He had seen every Disney movie could yeah. script every single one of them, seen them literally thousands of times. I don't know how many VHS tapes I had to tape together and replace, but we took him to Disney world. And as soon as the first parade came around the corner, we're clapping, singing along with parade, zippity doo da, zippity a. <laughs> and I look behind me and Jake is bolting for the exit. My husband Aww. is in hot pursuit. And when we finally get him back up to the gates, I said, Jacob, what is going on? You love Disney. And he goes, the cartoons, they came to life. Yeah, that is probably strange for them. Skylar did not like when we took him to uh, Sesame Street on ice mm -hmm. and, or Disney on ice. And then we did a Sesame Street, like um, they were on stage and he could not care less. And he actually just like tried to get up and leave also. And he was mm -hmm. little. Um, he just didn't understand that's Elmo and you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you get that, like, it's you, you know, you, you have these like delusions as a parent, like every parent does. It's, oh, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be great. And then you get there and then there's yeah. the reality shock of it. You know, um, you can't learn. script. Yeah. You can't <laughs> script autism. You just can't. Mm -hmm. And then, so we, you know, we finally took him back 10 years later, a month ago, and I spent so much time prepping him for his first airplane flight. Ooh, um, okay. And for your listeners in Indiana or <laughs> really anywhere, the Indianapolis airport does have a uh, web videos that you can show your children nice. to okay. kind of, it's geared towards people with autism to show them what is going to occur with the airport. Mm -hmm. There's also the hidden disabilities program that is becoming more prevalent at airports. Right. That is a godsend. Um, but you know, we took Jake back to Florida and I was like, okay, remember we talked the ocean is salty and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, that's okay. I'm 28. I can drink like you and pop do on vacation. <laughs> okay. So we took him to the beach. We talked him into getting in the water. He had his goggles. I like dip coated him in sunscreen and he loved it. We couldn't get him out of the water. So Aww, that's cute. It, it that's just, a huge accomplishment. Like for himself. Yes, it was a completely different thing. Then he got out of the ocean after the second day and he looked at me and he goes, okay, now where's this tiki bar you promised? Oh, that's hilarious. Like, okay. So he understands that part of it. Well, mm -hmm. so 
so you've told us a little bit about him today. Like what is, um, as a 28 year old, what does he do during the day? I mean, is he able to have a job? Does he live with you guys? And will he kind of live with you forever? Or do you foresee him maybe getting an apartment with some other guys or, you know, what, what do you think about his future and what does he want to do? I guess you probably asked him <laughs> what he wants well, to do. We would love for Jacob to have a job. Mm-hmm. Um, sadly, there are not enough job coaches in our immediate area to where right. there is much of an opening. Um, we had one opportunity at one point and we would have had to change, um, service agencies, which you know how hard it is yeah. once you find one that you love to go away from that, because yeah. you go through a lot of duds before you find that winner. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I myself took him around and tried to get him hired on various places before I started working full, full-time technically outside of my home, uh, which I work remotely currently for the state of Indiana as an investigator, but it still allows me to be home with Jacob. So that works. Um, but prior to me doing that, you know, I was pretty much just Jake's full-time caregiver. And I was like, listen, I'll be his job shadow. Oh, well, we can't really allow that to happen. I took him to the library because Jacob would make an excellent librarian because he loves to file the movies in the correct order. He would reorganize the whole damn library if they let yeah, him. I mean, these are the skills that I just think, I mean, not many other people want to do that. And oh, when, yeah. when you, when our kids love that an organization or whatever it is that they, they find passionate they're passionate about and they don't care so much about the salary that stuff doesn't like Mm -hmm. impact them the paycheck is like oh okay whatever I don't I don't know but just to get to do something I mean what harm would it be for him to to have a shadow at the beginning and then he could he'll he'll be the best employee they have he'll always be on time I imagine absolutely he would do like the best job and you know I just I don't get it I don't get it there's a huge lapse there too Yeah. Well, you know, when we talked to them about the position, um, they said, I'm sorry, but we can't hire him without a job coach. And again, I was like, okay, willing to be the job coach. Yeah. Yeah. We can't allow that. I said, could you at least him volunteer for two hours a week and just give him the movies for him to refile? It'll save your librarian's time. And it would make Jake thrilled. And they were like, oh, well, we can't really accept responsibility for him performing a job here because then we'd be responsible and blah, blah, blah. So it's just the same thing over again. And my son, so he's not working. Although if I could get him like into the right esports game, he would make mama a lot of money, but he does not want to play the games that are on esports. So um, he's got his own games, Destiny 2 and Halo that he's obsessed with. Um, and, uh, the one with the building blocks, I should know that name. I don't know why it's escaping me at the moment. Is it Minecraft? That's it. Minecraft. I mean, I don't know anything about any games at all, at all, but I do know that name. Yes. So, you know, I, I, again, if they would just create an esport for Minecraft, I would be in good shape. And so would Jacob, but, um, so he spends a lot of time playing video games during the day. He's got chores and responsibilities here that he does do he knows what his weekly chores are he takes care of his kitty cats and um you know he helps with chores around the house and you know picking up sticks on the lawn and everything so he's a good kid it's just nobody will give him a chance and he's one hell of an artist um he keeps creating his own art based on destiny 2 and i i post it frequently to the destiny 2 non-toxic community facebook page and they just go bananas over Jacob's art. And they're like, you, you've got to contact Benji and get this guy to hire. Well, I did. I actually applied for a graphic artist design, uh, job for Jacob, a concept artist position. 
And they came back with, well, he has no work history. And I'm like, okay, well, here's the thing. He's autistic, but I'm showing you his work. He's amazing. Please give him a chance. And they were like, well, unfortunately, this position would require him to work in office from California. Mm. Um, and we can't really do that. Uh, but thank you for applying. Yes, he's an amazing artist. Uh, we wish you the best of luck. And they sent him a big box of bungee merchandise, which made Jake thrilled. But there was a little part of me was like, really i mean you can't just let him you know we can't just submit his drawings every once in a while or you couldn't pay him as a as a <sighs> just kind of a consultant fee yeah, or whatever consultant, to, yeah just you I, know there has to be oh my gosh there has to be an answer you know um i'll have to connect you with um a family that i met um and they recorded with me a year or so ago um their son trent is 20 he just turned 25, I think last week. Um, and he, their page is drawings by Trent and he, um, he's an incredible artist. He has his own unique art though. Like, uh, their big thing is, um, people will write in and they'll say, um, draw a zebra, a dog riding on a zebra or whatever. And the crazier it is, the, the more fun he has with it. Um, he's minimally verbal too. And, um, so, but he just draws with Sharpies, like mm -hmm. not even a pencil. And it's just like, it's so accurate and so neat. And he loves animals. He mostly draws animals. Nice. Um, so they have made a coloring book. They have t-shirts with his drawings on it. And they're, um, it's just really smart because they're marketing his drawings and his talent for him. I mean, it's building a future for him and all of the money is, you know, being saved for his, you know, life and livelihood. And he's not being forced to do anything like your son. He loves drawing and he's been drawing since he was little doodling on telephone books and all of these things. I'll have to give you the, um, the episode number of that. That is, you can listen to them. I, I um, would love that, but the whole family just rallies around him and his art. And it's, it's such a cool thing. And I mean, there's just so many parents that are doing things like that. If their kids have a, a talent of some kind and they're, um, they're using it to help their child in the future, they're not exploiting them. It's, it's nothing that their child is being made to do or their adult child, I guess. Um, so yeah, maybe he could publish his, his artwork and make coloring books out of it or t-shirts or something that he could sell to the community of this video game or whatever. I'm sure they would yeah. love to wear them. And there are people that are actually, they've been trying to talk to me about that. And I'm, I'm starting to lean closer towards it. I, there was a gamer that, uh, is going through animation school that actually did a concept video based on one of Jacob's art drawings that he drew for a new piece in the game. I mean, like he's got like a crazy cult following on this page. So they That's keep cool. saying, you know, make a t-shirt, we'll buy it. So mm -hmm. I'm thinking about that, but yeah, it's funny too. There's so many parents that I've again, talked to on here and other, other avenues. And they've all said, you know, their advice to me or just anyone is just kind of observe your kids. Like we do with everything else and whatever their passion is, find a way to get them to monetize that or to let them do their passion. And I'm like, I don't know what Skylar's passion is. Like I watch it like a hawk and I'm like, all right, are you into, what are you into? <laughs> I just can't figure it out yet. But I mean, it's cool that he has a talent like that, you know, to be able to make them happy. Oh, well, see, just be, be careful about that though. <laughs> um, little side story. So when Jacob got to middle school and he had a devoted pair aide who ended up staying with him through high school, she calls me from the school. She goes, Lori, you're never going to believe this. You got to get down here right away. You're just never, ever going to believe this. 
I was like, what is happening now? Granted, the middle school had already called the cops on Jake once because of a meltdown. So I was like preparing for the worst. Mm. So I get there and she was like, come here. You got to see this. His piano teacher knew two songs, one by Beethoven and one by Bach. She played part of one and said, okay, Jacob, now you do it. He sat right down and played everything right back beautifully. And I was like, oh my God, he's a piano savant. And he did the same thing with the other song. And I was like, we've got to get a piano. I now have a 2000 pound player piano sitting in my living room that Jake refuses to play because it's out of tune and we can't find a piano tuner. So for your listeners that are listening, if anybody would like an antique circa 1900 euphonia player piano from the cable company out of Chicago, Illinois, please call me. It's free of charge. We will help you try to move it. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. I mean, maybe he did. (laughs) It's so funny though. to find out they're hidden. Like, like, yeah, this isn't a big deal. And he just sits down and plays it. I just, I don't know. (laughs) So many things. Who knew? Well, I mean, so he, clearly wants to do something and wants to work. And, um, it's, it's a shame that you just can't find the support. I mean, I, I have long talked about Indiana and just how I'm really struggling and I'm irritated with the resources, even from when he was little, the waiver system, everything is broken here and we won't be here long. I was going to say that would be another hour long podcast, just discussing the waiver system. I know. And I love, like you said, I love our, um, our case manager and our company that we work through, she is phenomenal. Um, but I just, I mean, her hands are tied like ours are. So Indiana is not a place I would recommend people moving to. Not that anyone <laughs> is like <laughs> Indiana. That's where I want to go. Uh, we have to vote tomorrow. That's very important when we're recording yes. this election day is tomorrow at this, the point of this recording. So, um, but anyway, yes, please uh, vote, please yes. vote. Our kids <laughs> depend on it. And they're they talking about taking away Medicare and social security that does impact kids with special needs, not just, not just our seniors that we love and care for, but Mm -hmm. that is why this vote is very important. And the house speaker did say, yes, he's looking at making us that program. So vote like your kid's life depends on it because it Mm -hmm. does. Yes. Well, hopefully the election results, which will come out before this airs will be in our favor to some degree. Um, so do you foresee, I mean, I'm imagining you, you've, been advocating his whole life and you're on top of all of these things. So you guys have plans for him, you know, set in place. I'm sure when he turned 18, you did the SSI route. Um, did you have to do guardianship or because he's, you know, verbal and, you know, able to communicate really his wants and needs. Is there a point that you would maybe do that later or did you do it? Did you go ahead with the guardianship? We did. And we were actually, we consulted with a special needs attorney because again, at at that point, I had already, you know, seen the downside of children not having guardians or having appropriate guardianship Mm -hmm. with some of the kids at the skilled nursing facility. Um, I did not want that to be an issue with Jacob. Um, And it was recommended by people we knew, people we trusted and, and speaking with a disability attorney that that would be the best way to protect Jacob essentially. Um, so I do have power of attorney and medical power of attorney, and then I handle his finances and it just protects Jacob, especially if you're in a situation because we know that divorce is extremely prevalent amongst parents with autistic children. Yep. I'm uh, one. <laughs> yep. Me and Jacob's father got divorced. So my 
my husband now has been Jacob's father for the last 20 years and the father he needed, frankly. Yep. Uh, same, same. same. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you've got to look out because there can become scenarios where, you know, maybe another parent that's not in the picture wants to come along and try to take advantage of the situation. And you just got to do it to protect your child. Now, mm-hmm. we were for that very same reason. <laughs> Uh, we were extremely hesitant to get SSI for Jake, but his disability attorney brought that up at the hearing. And it's like, listen, they've had issues with Jacob's father and blah, blah, blah. They were legit issues. The judge recognized that, but he did say that he would not grant me guardianship unless I did that because Jacob, that was Jacob's money. And I could not keep him from that because of my fear of my ex, because it was an extremely abusive marriage and Jacob was abused as well. So um, so that kind of set the tone it's like, oh, okay, I got to do this. But you know, then that comes along with it, all the roles and responsibilities of managing their money properly and being mm-hmm. able to show that you're managing their money properly. So, right. you know, it's just sad because people, you know, with most able-bodied kids, you know, they go off to college at 18 and then they get married and the parents can go do their own thing and have a vacation and dance naked in the living room if they want to. <laughs> we don't have that luxury you know, no, I, mean, I know. Yeah. Well, and my only experience besides the SSI is doing the guardianship because Skyler is unable to, you know, care for himself. He really needs correct. us to do everything. And, you know, one of the things that I did with my attorney, um, I told her from the beginning, I don't want Skyler there. I, I, if we can avoid that at all costs, I just don't want to talk about the fact that he's unable to care for himself or, you know, that they throw around the words incapacitated and all these things. And I, it just really hurt my heart. I, I know he understands everything that's going on around him. So, um, they just had us reach out to the pediatrician. He wrote a letter to the court, very brief. Um, and just said, I don't think it's in Skylar's best interest because he's coherent and he understands everything that's being said that he be there. And they, they allowed that no problem. So that was kind of our, um, experience with doing that. But when you have a child that can, um, that's an adult that can communicate and let you know, they understand what's going on. And a lot of times parents have told me that, um, they will be asked questions like either at SSI or by the judge, they might ask them some questions. So can you just kind of explain if Jacob had to be part of any of those processes and, um, what that was like in case there are parents who like you aren't really sure that they need to go the guardianship route because their child is not, you know, needing a hundred percent support for their life. Well, mine, I would say this, I mean, like Jacob does not pay attention when crossing the street. Uh Jacob does not know how to count money. Although we're working on that really hard. Um, Jacob's got a lot of goals. He's got elopement risks. He's got a lot of risk plans. If your child is in need of a waiver and your child cannot care for themselves 24 hours by themselves and be okay, you need to be their guardian. Mm-hmm. Cause the bottom line is again, what would happen, you know, cause it, and we've got some, and it took us, oh my gosh, oh, 10 years to work up to Jake being left alone for like four hours at a time. That was literally one of his goals just because he wasn't going to his father's anymore. And, you know, our, our respite care was, we didn't have a lot of respite care at that time. Mm-hmm. And it was just one of those things where it's like, he's independent enough to where we need to get him to that point, because it would just be nice for us to take a break and go out on a date without having to worry about getting a babysitter, right? Or hauling him to Kokomo to go stay with grandpa for the night or whatever, you know, 
we got him there and he's doing great with that but is he capable of staying the night in the house by himself oh hell no that mm-hmm. is not going to happen anytime soon i want it to happen but he's not there because he gets extremely anxious if there's any kind of storm in the area or if it's snowing at all um he frets about power outages constantly um so i would never feel comfortable with that um and he knows how to call us but by the same token you know your child best if you know your child couldn't manage being i mean most average 13 year olds could be by themselves for a couple days and be perfectly fine Mm -hmm. you know or at least they could in my day and age um if your child can't can't manage being by themselves overnight they need a guardian you know and obviously if they can only be by themselves for a few hours they need Mm -hmm. a guardian and it just protects them it safeguards them so that if god forbid mom and dad were hurt or killed you know on, on their way to the grocery store or on the way to dinner or something um, then your child's not stuck by themselves for the rest of their life and your family's left to figure out, okay, well, what do we do with Jacob now? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, get, get that guardianship, get a will made to where you have that specifically laid out of these are my wishes. Um, I currently have guardianship and, you know, in the event that I pass and my husband doesn't, I wish Michael to have guardianship. He's been a stepdad for 20 years, blah, blah, blah. In the event we both pass, I want my niece to have guardianship. Uh, blah, blah, blah. You've got to outline that because the court doesn't have to go by that necessarily, but that carries very heavy weight with them. And especially Mm -hmm. if you have a child with guardianship, if your child does not have a guardianship, you don't know where your child's going to end up. Mm -hmm. You have no clue. Well, and the hard part too is um, medical. That, that was oddly enough. That was one of the strangest parts for me is when I would take him to the pediatrician for whatever reason they knew me, but when I'd have to go to the hospital, and have labs drawn for him. We have to do it every couple months. Um, they would say, they would ask for his birthday and I would give it to him and then it would click with them. And they're like, are you his guardian? And I'm like, well, I used to be known as his mother, but yes, I'm his guardian now because they will not talk to you. Um, they would insist that only Skylar would be communicated with. And we know how that would go. Um, so sometimes you, if they cannot properly explain at a doctor visit, the reason for their visit or their medical history or any of that stuff, you also really need a medical guardianship just for that purpose, because you, you will not be allowed to talk about them or on their behalf uh, once they're 18, if you don't have that. That's correct. And that's why it's so important. If your child is not capable of handling their own finances, their own medical care, or, you know, just generally caring for themselves and surviving in a 24 hour period, you don't want them to be left out there hanging by themselves. So Mm -hmm. you need that layer of protection to protect your child. And it just, it streamlines everything and makes it easier. And it it just, it, it helps to cut some of the red tape, such as the HIPAA issues and things like that, when you're trying to get your child the best care that they need. Um, So yes, I, I really encourage every parent to look into that. And, and, and sadly, there are still parents out there that don't even know about the waiver system. Now things are better now that the World Wide web is around and things mm-hmm. got better because it was a, kind of in its infancy when Jake was diagnosed. So there really weren't those resources online and that has completely turned around. But ironically, mm-hmm. there are still families that aren't internet savvy, sadly, um, or maybe grandma and grandpa's got their, their, you know, grandchild for some reason that they're not aware of all the services that could be provided. So I always encourage every family that if you are just starting this journey, contact, you know, fam, you know, FSSA, 
you know, reach out to them, get on that waiver wait list quickly. Uh, we waited for 10 years for Jake's autism waiver, and that's after I pushed for more funding. Um, so there's a lot more resources now that are available than there was back then. Mm -hmm. And you can find information on guardianship and medical power of attorney and SSI um, and the waiver programs um, pretty easily. And if not, your listeners are always welcome to reach out to me and I can help give them guidance on that. Yeah. With all of us, like you said, with the internet and so many resources, I think I know finally one one parenting team in every state that I've talked to or that I've met through, you know, just various ways on social media. So we at least know somebody in every state that we could, you know, provide the contact for. So, um, but I, um, I don't want to get uh, away from this conversation without talking a little bit about your comedy, because I just think it's, um, <laughs> I, I just love it. And I love the confidence that it takes. I mean, I think I'm pretty funny, but my family doesn't maybe necessarily think I'm funny and I'm certainly not stage worthy funny. Um, so when did you kind of start stepping on the stage to do some comedy and, and kind of naming your act and naming yourself rain mom comedy? Well, I, I, I've been a comedian in my own mind from uh, the age of five, uh, did a lot of living room shows for my grandparents and parents and family. Um, and you know, it was one of those one of those pipe dreams and the, you know, bucket list items. Oh, I don't, I'd love to get on stage and do comedy just once in my life. And a group called the comedy deli actually came to Logan sport and they were offering comedy classes. And I was like, you know what, why not? And my husband, Michael is just, he's like the most awesome guy ever. Cause he, he's like, so supportive of all of my crazy ideas. He let me turn my spare bedroom into a Gryffindor common room because I am a Potterhead, a diehard Potterhead. He let me paint dolphins on my pool. Um, and he let me sign up for this comedy class. So uh, the next thing I knew, I, you know, went through the class and was on stage and they said, talk about what you know. And I said, well, I'm going to talk about autism mm -hmm. because Jacob, there, there's just, there are so many funny things that he does that, you know, when I share this story with friends or family or coworkers, they just start laughing and they were like, oh my God, that is so funny. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And it, and it comes from a place of love. And it gives me an opportunity to kind of put Jake out there and raise um, awareness about autism mm -hmm. for those who have been living under a rock for the last 10 years, um, <laughs> understanding and, and not that I'm aiming for sympathy, but the sympathy does help because it makes people start thinking, oh, wow. And then their sympathy will hopefully someday turn into empathy if they see somebody who's acting like my kid. Mm -hmm. um, so I just, I find the funnier moments of Jacob and I, and I turned that into comedy, uh, turns out it's comedy gold, apparently. Um, <laughs> well, it's funny to like, I mean, I feel like to also highlight the quirks of, um, you know, to anyone on the spectrum. And I think one thing that your comedy shows too, is that it helps people not only, like you said, develop empathy over time, but they understand better. There's a spectrum because although it's named rain mom comedy, the, the kind of the um, irony of that is that, you know, even when Skylar was diagnosed and even people still today feel, think that that is the only version of autism Correct. that's out there, that all of our kids are a savant in something. Mm -hmm. um, so seeing a child like Skylar's, they, like my Skylar is, people don't realize that he's autistic. I think they think there might be something else going on mm -hmm. because they, it's a far cry from Rain Man. He is the complete other end of the spectrum, level three, whatever you want to call it these days. But um, 
So I think hearing stories about Jacob also, they're probably like, really? I, I didn't know that people with autism said things like that or did that or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. It's well, just nice. I will just say for any parents out there, when your uh, autistic kiddo starts going through puberty and they <laughs> are able to, you know, they, they don't have any mobility issues for the love of God, hide the tweezers. Yes. Hide the tweezers. I heard that joke. <laughs> um, please trust me on this. But uh, yeah, I mean, there is a whole different spectrum. That's why they've always said, uh, one of my favorite books is the snowflake children of autism. And that's, I, that is a trigger word for me. And it's been used a lot with this political stuff for the last four I years. Know. And oh, that punches my buttons. Um, I also <laughs> hear a lot of people using the word retard, which. Oh God. I thought that was, uh, you know, I mean, I hear people pop up with it. Trolls uh, no. usually say that, but, um, I, I thought it was gone. I mean, I really thought most of the world understood that that is just the most horrific word in addition to several other words, but in its proper form, it, it is a proper, it is a proper word. And a lot of things can be retarded. You know, you, you can have corn that doesn't grow and it's retarded in growth. You can retard an engine so that it doesn't go as fast. There's a lot of different meanings to it. Um, and, and, and my biggest thing is, you know, it's like I, my response to everybody online, whoever, whenever they use that, that word as an insult is please stop using my child's medical diagnosis to insult somebody you disagree with. Pick another word. Yeah. It just you know, stings. Like, I mean, the N word, I, I, I never say it. I've never said it. And I, but just the response that people get from it, it just stings and it hurts so badly. And that's my reaction. When I hear the R word, I just eat. I mean, people say it in my job. Like I, I have people say to me on the phone, like just wow. in conversation, like, wow, that's so, you know, R word. I yep. can't even say it. I mean, they I just, just it upsets it me. And I say, finally, I've gotten my voice and I say, I'm sorry, could you pick a different word, especially knowing my family situation, that's really offensive. And they usually they're like, oh my gosh, I am so sorry. I didn't even think about it. I just said it. Well, I just want people to think about it. I want you to be more conscious of what you say. Um, yes. I don't know. Maybe that's no. can too cancel culture of me, but no, just, no, no, like, no, no, no. Here's the thing. It's like my son, his medical diagnosis was, uh, severe autism with, uh, mental retardation. Mm -hmm. I have no qualms saying that because that's what he's diagnosed with. That would be like trying to change the word cancer into something else because somebody decided to hijack the word cancer and make it a terrible thing. Mm -hmm. Um, they want to change it to intellectual disability. It's like, no, my son wasn't diagnosed with that. He was diagnosed with mental retardation. Now, Jacob, we have talked about that and Jacob is okay with that. The one reason why my, I got nicknamed rain mom is Jacob got off the school bus one time. And I found out from one of the other kids on the bus, Jake had been getting bullied on the bus. They were shooting him with spit wads and oh holding God. a sign above his head with an arrow that said retard. Oh God. I was furious. I called to school. I talked to the bus driver and they're like, oh, we really can't do anything. Found out this happened again another day. So the very next morning I walked on the bus, bus driver's like, you can't come on here. And I said, watch me. And I said, point out the kids. and little girl pointed out the kids and I said or well Jacob was behind me uh, in front of me initially and they were like hey rain man and I popped out from behind him and I said what was that and they go well who are you and I said I'm rain mom yeah we're gonna have a talk <laughs> you touch my kid again or blah you well it didn't go well yeah <laughs> I put the fear of God in those kids we shouldn't have done that but they didn't pick up my kid afterwards so I mean that's kind of where the name rain mom came from mm -hmm. 
Um, because again, there's that preconceived notion, but every kid with autism is different. That's why they're called snowflakes. They are the same yet. They are different. Mm -hmm. They're like, yet they're different. And, you know, your kid's different from my kid. My kid's different from, you know, my kid's, you know, I've got a whole swim team full of kids with autism and not two of them are alike. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're all unique. And I mean, they're not any different than the rest of us. They've just got their own specific quirks. They've got their own specialities, just like you've got yours and I've got mine. So I don't like that people pigeonhole our kids in one category, but I mean, by the same token, I want them to recognize and um, just, you know, respect the fact that that happens to be what our kid has, you know, not every two people with cancer have the same journey or have the same exact diagnosis or exactly alike. And they may have the exact identical cancer, but it could go a couple different ways. Mm -hmm. And it's no different than that with autism, you know, or it, it goes at its own pace, they have their own level of learning. They have their own way of learning. And it's really not different than abled, quote, unquote, able-bodied people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I agree with you. It's um, like you said, even, you know, the, I get the premise of snowflakes and being different and unique. And um, that used to be a like a wonderful way to describe things. And people have taken that word and turned it into an insult. So it's like, I mean, that's just the world today. So frustrating. (laughs) Just today at work, we were talking about a short work week. And the next thing I know, people are sharing short bus memes and making short bus jokes. And still, I I can't believe that still goes on. Oh yeah. And I I literally, yeah, literally just started a a, a new position. I got promoted and started my training last week. And this was the first day I was on that chat. And I just simply put, well, my son rode the short bus since he was, since he's autistic and has special needs. God bless the drivers and the, and the pair aides on those buses. They are truly angels. Boy, you could have heard crickets after that for a few minutes. And then there was a lot of backpedaling by the, oh, I didn't mean to offend you. And it's not like I came out and said, you son of a, you know, uh-huh. and, and read them the riot act. It was just that little gentle nudge of, you don't know who's on this thread and you don't know what they're going through in it right. right now. Be considerate, yeah, you know, and I, that, sadly that's, it's something that unfortunately we've lost a lot of, especially in the last five years is just a little consideration for, for other people, mm-hmm. you know, it mm-hmm. just, it's sad. It is sad. It is. Well, I mean, you've been on this journey for quite some time. And aside from just Jacob, you've had a lot of experiences. I know you started a support group back in the nineties because there probably was nothing where you are and there's still nothing where we are in Indiana. Um, But just from all the people you've interacted with and, you know, learned from, and even learning from Jacob, is there one thing that you, um, you know, are, have evolved from, I guess, from the early years when he was little. And I'm sure there was a lot of worry that he would never do this or he would never do that just from your own, um, you know, experiences with him and childhood and all of that, despite what the doctors ever said. Um, is there anything that you, um, looking back on it now would suggest to parents besides some of the things we've already said, you know, trusting your gut and, um, finding means for communication, whatever it is and never giving up. Is there one thing in particular that would have helped you had someone told you like, Hey, this, listen, just think this and you'll be fine. Um, I know that's probably a loaded question, but, um, I would say two things. Um, don't forget to find the joy in the small victories, whether that is a, 
you know, getting one thing that you really needed in your child's IEP meeting, um, or, you know, maybe getting that first word or them taking a step or trying a new food, because we know that is a huge issue too. celebrate that. That mm-hmm. is a big deal. You know, if they actually eat something aside from a chicken McNugget for dinner, my God, do a dance around the table. <laughs> but really what I've learned most from Jake's journey is, you know, even now being 28, and I see he's losing a little bit of his innocence and he's try, he's, he's evolving into a little bit of like a, a man, mm-hmm. you know, which he should be at this point, but he still finds the beauty in the small things. Um, I call him the butterfly whisperer. He loves butterflies and he'll spend hours at the butterfly pavilion at white river state gardens. And he'll be like, look at the, look at, look at the detail. Look at what God did with the, with the wings and mother nature. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he can be such a gentle giant and, and, you know, it just kind of, if, if you're going through those struggles of the true meltdowns or, you know, even the tantrums or, you know, the self-injurious behavior because they're so frustrated that they can't talk or you can't get your child to use the restroom because of a sensory issue or you can't get them to eat. Just know that things get, they do get better. It may take some a lot longer to get there. And that's why you need to savor the small victories and just keep telling yourself one foot forward, Mm -hmm. you know, and you look for those little things that you may not otherwise notice that other parents take for granted. Yeah. I think that's huge because I think we spend so much time. I know I did trying to catch Skylar up to his peers. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, was so focused and and fretting about, oh no, we just now, now we're five years behind. Now we're, if I could just get him to do this, then maybe he can catch up. And this is the one piece. And I, I should have enjoyed the moment of that day because like you said, it goes so fast. I mean, I cannot believe, I'm sure you can't either, that Skylar's Mm going to be 20 in a few months and that Jacob is 28 and it just, it really flies. It flies with all of our kids, but I feel like, especially these, and I have to take a step back and remind myself of how far this amazing kid has come. Yes. Yes, He can't do some of these things yet, but there's so many things I didn't think he would do. And I I kind of forgot where he's come from. Even walking, it took him till three. So it's just like, you know, you just try to see it in their eyes and Mm -hmm. see the joy that, like you said, that the benefits and the joy that they find in the littlest of things every day. And I think we would be less stressed if we, <laughs> if we live like, like they do, because they don't know hate and they don't know stress and no, they don't they know don't. that kind of stuff. So yeah, they just don't, happy. <laughs> they're so, they're so innocent. They really truly do reflect the best of humanity because mm-hmm. they don't have preconceived hate. They don't have preconceived bias. They don't judge people by the color of their skin or what they look like or whether their face is covered in acne or not. They just, they see a person, you mm-hmm. know, and granted, they may ask questions, <laughs> that Maybe are inappropriate awkward, questions but the, yeah. you know, with, when they ask those questions, especially around a people, you know, they that, really want to know, no, you know, they're okay with it, mm-hmm. you know, and they just find They have no filter, which can be terrifying at times, but by the same token, they do what we all actually kind of truly wish we could do. And that is to just be brutally honest, Mm -hmm. you know, like the time I was at Walmart and Jacob was getting impatient and (laughs) 
I said, son, you got to be patient multiple times. And then finally, I leaned and whispered, Jacob, you really need to be more patient. We've got to work on that. That's one of your goals. Be more patient. And he stepped back and he goes, mama, I love you, but your breast stinks. Oh, look, you're buying toothpaste. Do you want to use it now? The people in line behind me just about died laughing. That was their but humor you know for what? the day. They all, that was their happy moment for yeah. that day of, oh my God, you're not going to believe what happened to this woman at the store. You know, yeah. Jacob brought a smile to their face. It horrified me at the moment, but you know, by the next day I was laughing about it too, because you know, it happens. You shouldn't eat garlic before you go to Walmart. That's all I can say. <laughs> Spread joy. <laughs> oh my gosh, Lori, you're a riot. And, um, I just, I am really grateful that you took the time out to talk to me and, um, shared some, I think really really helpful advice, especially about guardianships and stuff. We don't get to talk about that stuff very often. And, um, I think it's so important for parents who have already traveled that road and have learned, maybe we did something incorrectly and we had to re redirect and, um, fix it, or we didn't do it yet. Or any of those things for parents that are, even if you have a six-year-old, I always say it's not too soon to start thinking of these things. It's not like you have to run out and do all of these these things. But as we talked about with guardianships, it's something that should always be at the forefront of your mind. And I'm a big believer. I'm not, I'm not, um, kind of going back on what I said about enjoying each day. I'm not a proponent of like future planning five years out when your kid is five years old, but I'm saying, enjoy the moment, but also you have to be forward thinking because tomorrow's not promised. We just never know how things are going to go. So you should just always, observe, listen to all the parents that have gone before you and <laughs> learn from our mistakes and yes. our, our valued lessons. I think that we, we can bring. So anyway, well, I appreciate yours. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. And, you know, we can do both things because we do have to plan ahead. Mm-hmm. That's some, we don't have that luxury of not doing that, but if you, you can, you can accomplish both things. Um, and you know, parents are going to make mistakes. We're all going to make mistakes because, most of us haven't been down this journey. We've got the cookie cutter mold of, okay, this is what you do for regular kids. And I've seen what happens with some of the regular kids. I know my parents, I I was a handful for them. So you're going to make parenting mistakes. It doesn't matter whether your kids are neurodiverse or, you know, typical kids, you're going to make mistakes. Just keep the Bob Ross mantra in mind. You know, there are no mistakes. They're only happy accidents. And if you mess up, yeah. If you, if you mess up that, that, that bird, just turn it into a big fluffy white cloud. It will be fine. Yeah. You just yep. start over and never give up. You're right. That's a great way to end the Bob Ross theory. <laughs> That's right. Well, thank you so much, Lori. I will link up your, um, your, uh, Facebook page and your YouTube or whatever else you want people to, however they want to find you. And if you guys have okay. questions for Lori, um, please reach out to her. So thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure getting to talk with you this evening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.